Hello, welcome to the podcast of Chesbro Baptist Church. We're going through Luke 9 in a series on discipleship. And the first message is entitled, Assessing Discipleship. Please enjoy. All right, if you have your places in John chapter 6, I'm going to ask you to stand one last time in respect and reverence to the Word of God. We're going to read our scripture, pray, and then sit back down. The Bible says in John chapter 6 and verse 36, As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not talking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? And the title of the message this morning is Assessing Discipleship. Assessing Discipleship. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the wonderful week that you've given us, Lord. And I just pray that you would just bless our service this morning. May the Holy Spirit fill this place. May you teach us this thing about discipleship from your word. In Jesus Christ's precious name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus had just finished feeding the 5,000, and this is the very next day. The very next day after that, he goes into Capernaum, which is kind of where his base of operations was. Jesus was kind of all over the place. But if you had to give a base of operations of Jesus, it would be Capernaum. So Jesus goes into the synagogue the day after the feeding of the 5,000. He goes into the synagogue of Capernaum and he starts teaching. Now, when he teaches in this synagogue, this, this is called the bread of life discourse. Okay, that's what this this lesson this sermon or this message that Jesus is teaching is called the Bread of Life Discourse. And it's during this time in Jesus' ministry when he's being followed by a lot of people. Man, there are people following him because they want the free barbecues, they want the fish fry, they want the filet of fish sandwiches, they they want all that stuff. Give me all the free stuff, give me all the stuff that, that I don't have to pay for, that's what I'm here for. And Jesus comes into the synagogue and he starts teaching on the bread of life and he starts presenting himself as the Son of God. Jesus is presenting himself as the way of salvation. Like I said, there's many people around Jesus during this point in his ministry. And even though there were many people around him for the free food and around him for all the cool stuff. and, And the problem is not many of those people around Jesus were believers. Those who were believers, an even smaller percentage of them would be called, what we're going to talk about today, disciples. Even less of them were disciples. And disciples are those who paid a price to stay close to Jesus. They paid a price to stay close to Jesus. So the Bible says, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? 
And, you know, I memorized this in, in the King James, and he says, will ye also go away? And that's what, what Jesus said. And, man, if you think about it, those words really can really cut you down to your soul if you think about those words that Jesus said. I mean, can you picture it this morning? This huge crowd is following Jesus, and they're following Him for the miracles, and they're following Him for the food. But as soon as Jesus mounts the pulpit and starts laying down doctrine, as soon as He stands up behind a podium and starts to lay out theology, people leave. They want the free stuff. They want the miracles. But when it comes to teaching doctrine, when it comes to teaching theology, they say, man, I, 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 I like all this bread that you're giving me, but He's the only way? I don't know about that. I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure about that. The Bible says from that time, people began to turn away. People began to leave. One of the most disillusioning things for a weak Christian is when somebody leaves the faith. That's the most disillusioning thing for a weak Christian. Now, we are to be disappointed when people leave, but we're not supposed to be disillusioned, okay? We're to be dis disappointed when they leave, when other Christian followers turn away. It should disappoint us but if we are truly followers of Jesus, we won't be disillusioned by that. So when these others turn away, what did Jesus say to the twelve that had salvation, to the twelve that were following Him closely because they wanted to be His disciple? He said, will ye also go away? Are you going to leave me too? Jesus looked at them right in their face and said, do you see them? Do you see them? They wanted the miracles. They wanted the, the free food. They wanted all the cool stuff. They enjoyed the good times. But when it really came down to believing in what I'm saying, they left. When it came down to believing what I'm saying, they left. And then he looks at you and says, he looks at me, he looks at us, and says, will you be here next week? Will you be here in six months? Will you also go away? Are you going to leave me too? And if Jesus was here right now, and he said that to us, would that get our attention? Would it grab our attention, because let's ask this question, because there's no reason to think that any of us are going to be here in a year. We don't know what the future holds. We really don't. So we have to ask this question now to kind of assess where we're at in relation to this person called Jesus Christ. Where do we stand when we say we're followers of Christ? What does that mean? What level of follower are we? You see, we have to be intentional about our discipleship. We have to be intentional about our relationship with Jesus Christ. So why did some turn away? Why did that happen? Well, there's a few reasons. 
One, some of them turned away because they were never truly converted. They were never truly converted. They weren't true disciples in the sense of being born again, and that's why they turned away. Others of them may have believed on Christ, but they didn't want to identify Him, identify with Him in such a way um, where it would bring any type of persecution on their life. Man, if identifying with Jesus is going to bring me hard times, if it's going to bring me any level of persecution, then I'm not going to do that publicly. And you can't be his disciple. And, or three, they didn't want to turn away from a sin that they wanted to enjoy. They believed on Jesus, but they were not ready to become what we are going to talk about today. What we're going to talk today about today, this morning, is different. It's a different way of following Christ. It's a different path, okay? There is a difference between salvation and discipleship. There is a clear difference. There's a lot of people who are saved, but there's not a lot of people who are following Jesus, how we're going to talk about today. There's not a lot of people doing this this morning. Okay, so why would these people think that persecution is about to befall them? Why, why would they think that? Turn your Bibles to Luke 9. This is about the same time period as John 6. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. This is immediately after Jesus had, said, had fed the 5,000. We're going to look in Luke 9.22. In Luke 9.22, the Bible, and, and I'm going to read the verse, but if you had not made there, just go there. We're going to keep reading in Luke 9 through the rest of the message. But Luke 9.22, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised up on the third day. Man, Jesus just kind of dropped a bomb right there. Okay, he dropped it, man. I mean, these guys are out here and this crowd's out here and they're having a good time. Man, they're having a party and they're thinking, man, we're about to we're about to overthrow the Romans and we're going to get to be our own country again. And we're not going to have to pay taxes to the Romans anymore. And we're going to be our own country and we're going to be the nation of Israel. And man, there, there's there's good times uh, ahead of us and, and, and we're going to have a party. And man, this is awesome. And then Jesus stands up immediately after that and says, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You, I'm the only way. You can't believe in me and believe also in these other ways. You can only believe in me. And then the party started to die down, started to get a little quiet. And then Jesus said, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going to be rejected by everybody in your authority, all the people that you think that I'm going to lead against the Romans, they're going to reject me. They're going to kill me. I'm going to come back from the dead. And if you hang around with me, you're going to get a piece of that. Whoa. Things are, things are different now. 
And when Jesus starts to explain the gospel, when Jesus starts to lay out the death, burial, and resurrection, many people are turned away. Why? Because many people said, I enjoyed the bread, but I don't want to be around that. I enjoyed the bread, but I don't want to be around that. Give me just a second. I just lost my place. Give me just a second. Talk amongst yourselves while I find it. Um, so what you would have here, Jesus is teaching a dividing message. This is a dividing message. And so he looked at his disciples when all those other people turned away. He looked at his disciples and said, will you also leave me? Are you also going to go away? Because what I'm talking about right now is a different way of life. It's a different way of doing things. It's a different walk with God. So just as Jesus stood up on that day and preached a dividing message that made people reassess how they follow Jesus and many turned away because they didn't want it, Today, we're going to preach the same dividing message. We have to assess today, right now, what type of follower of Christ we are. Today, we're going to do that. Today, we're going to be in the synagogue with Jesus the day after the feeding of the 5,000 in Capernaum. We're going to be there. We're going to read his words and we're going to listen to the same message that Jesus taught on that day. Because we have to make the same assessment that Jesus pushed on the crowd that day. What kind of follower are we? What kind of follower are we? Are we the kind of follower who's born again? But not only are we born again, but we're willing to identify with Christ and we're willing to sacrifice for Christ. That's a disciple. A disciple is someone who's willing to identify with Christ and sacrifice for Christ. Or are we the type of follower that's like, man, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I got, my, I got my fire insurance, but pay a price? No, thank you. No, thank you. Or are you the type of person who's a part of the church and you really like what's going on here, but you've never believed on him? You've never believed on Jesus. What type are we? So in this passage, makes, 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 that, makes us stop and, and look at where we, are, where we really are with Jesus. Discipleship, what discipleship is where you're not attached to the world. You have different values than the world. The world revolves their life around sin. A disciple doesn't do that. 
A disciple's world doesn't revolve around sin. A disciple's world revolves around Christ. And your identity is wrapped up in this person of Jesus Christ. And discipleship is more than one week-long revival a year. And discipleship is more than a feeling you get when you listen to a song and you get, you get goosebumps and a tingle up your neck. That's not discipleship. Discipleship is a daily, everyday commitment to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Him. Not one time, not once a year, every single day. It is a daily commitment. That's what we're talking about. So let's assess this morning. Number one, we have the assessment of personal discipleship. Besides salvation, are you a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? I want to know more about this matter of discipleship. And, you know, if I ask the question, who wants to be a disciple? I'm sure everybody in here would raise your hand. So like I said, we're going to sit with Jesus and we're going to listen to Jesus's words on this subject. And we're going to think about it. Let's first look at the conditions of discipleship. Luke 9, 23. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. When Jesus says the words, come after me, that's, discipleship pro that's the discipleship process. You're coming after me. Jesus says, come after me. That's the discipleship process process. If you're going to be one of my disciples, if you're going to be part of the way, you have to come after me and you have to deny yourself. What does that mean to deny yourself? To deny yourself means to forget about your own interests and put his interest above yours. That's what it means. One of the, you want to know one of the biggest problems of churches today? One of the biggest problems of modern churches is modern churches don't teach self-denial. They teach self-fulfillment. Self-fulfillment. It's more like a talking self-help book than presenting the gospel. And instead of self-denial, they teach self-fulfillment. Robert Schuller was one, uh, he passed away in 2015, but he was one of these big pastors, I think in California, that would, that would say things like that. And one of the things that he said was this, he made this statement, one of the worst things you can tell somebody is that they are sinners. That is apostate. That is a if you don't tell people about the sin problem, why do they need a Savior? <clears throat> why do they need a Savior if you don't tell them about the sin problem? That's apostate. Listen to this quote from him. Classical theology has erred in its instance that theology be God-centered, not man-centered. So he would rather our theology be man-centered and not God-centered. Theology, theos, God. Theology, the study of God. 
And the problem with liberal theologians and the problem with pastors like Robert Schuller and Joel Osteen is the gospel. They're preaching a man-centered gospel and not a God-centered gospel. It's not God-centered enough. The message of Jesus Christ is deny yourself, not exalt yourself. Don't exalt yourself. Man, if your friends think you're wacko for following Jesus, and bless God, that's a cross you, you got to bear. That's just, you know, you know, they call you a Bible thumper. Praise God. Get a bumper sticker that says Bible thumper. You know, wear it proudly. Bear that cross. Okay? Amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That is another definition of a disciple. That is discipleship right there. You are a walking, living sacrifice. You will identify with Jesus no matter the cost. Doesn't matter what it costs, you're going to identify with him. When is the last time we denied ourselves in order to be better Christians? When's the last time we did that? We denied ourselves in order to be better Christians. When was the last time the Spirit led us to go witness to somebody and we had to cancel something in order to do it? We have to drive in our car a little ways out of the way to go talk to this person. Or we have to cancel our bowling league night one week. You know, <clears throat> can't, can't bowl that turkey. Because I gotta, the bowlers know that what that means. Because uh, uh, I have to go, I have to go witness to, to this person. I have something that God wants me to do. We have in our country, we have developed this idea of convenient Christianity. Convenient Christianity is so popular, and we want our Christianity to be convenient. It's like, hey. I'll come to church. Hey, I'll be there. I'll come to church. Keep that sermon at 32 minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry. That made me laugh. <laughs> but keep that sermon at 32 minutes. Yeah, I'll get right on that. The visitors are like, what? How long are we going to be here? And we get to this place where we want God on our terms. We want God on our terms. That is not how Jesus set this up. Jesus started the church. He's the head of the church. That is not how he set this up. And if you want to be a disciple, you have to deny yourself. You have to deny your ambitions and replace them with God's. Okay, You have to deny yourself. Number two, take up his cross daily. Take up his cross daily. For some people, that's a metaphor. For Jesus, it was quite literal, wasn't it? 
Paul in his testimony in Galatians 2.20 said, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul's identity was wrapped up in that cross. He said, every day I want to live that crucified life. Every moment of my existence is wrapped up in the cross of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about the picture that's being painted here. There's a Roman cross. There's a criminal that is sentenced to die on that cross. A, a horrible, a horrible death. A horrendous death because of a heinous action, a heinous crime that this criminal has committed. But before he can die on that cross, he has to pick up that cross. He has to carry that cross up the hill to the place where he's going to die. Why, why does he have to do that? Because that shows submission to the state. You carrying that cross is an outward showing of your submission to the state. And the thing is, is that when we carry our cross, we are admitting publicly and we are admitting privately that, uh, that I'm submitting to Jesus Christ. And it's not a necklace that you wear. It's not something like that. It's not, not there's anything wrong with that at all. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, the cross that I'm talking about here is identifying with Jesus no matter the cost. No matter if it costs you something and you have to pay a price, you don't care. You're going to identify with him no matter what. When you identify as a Christian outwardly and openly and publicly and you don't hide it, you're carrying your cross. In, in your act, not just a show, but in your actions too. It's more than just words. It's more than just, just eye service. You're genuinely living out that life that's carrying the cross. I will not be ashamed of the cross. You're saying, I will not be ashamed of the cross. I will stand up for the cross. I will live my life for the cross, for what that cross represents. And it represents the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am taking up the cross of Jesus Christ. One of the most quoted Baptist preachers who ever lived was Charles Spurgeon. One of the most quoted preachers who ever lived. And he said, I have now consecrated all my prayers into one. That one prayer is this, that I may die to self and live holy to Him. Die to self, live holy to Him. Jesus says, I want to be first in your life. I want to be first. Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers, and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus really isn't telling you to hate your brothers and hate your sister. That, that, that this, this is hyperbole here. Okay, He's saying, you're to love me so much that when you compare your love for me to the love for your family, your love for your family looks like hate. He's not telling us to hate our family. But he's saying, that's how much more you should love me. And he says, deny yourself, take up your cross, come after me. 
if you're afraid to bear the cross, if you're afraid to tell the world that you're a follower of me, you can't be my disciple. If you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing to do that, you can't be my disciple. Number three, then you see we must follow Christ. And he was saying to all of them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must, that's the process of discipleship, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. When we follow Christ, we're making a life exchange. We are exchanging our life for his life. We're exchanging what we want for what he wants. We're exchanging our goals for his goals. We're exchanging uh, uh, our ambitions for his ambitions, for what he wants, for we want, for what he wants. John 12, 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. We hear this phrase, we have to die. And we get scared of that. i got to die? Every day, I've got to die? Uh, that doesn't sound good. I don't know if I want to do that. But uh, the thing is, is that we think that this is bad, but God says, look, I can take that, a life that has died to self, I can take that and I can make more out of it. I can take that and I can do more out of it. I can get more glory from it. I can get more from your life if you die to yourself. Next, let's see the clarification of discipleship. You know, people read 20, verse 23 here and they never go to verse 24. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For it is man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself. Jesus is dispelling a myth here. And this is a myth of self-preservation. Okay, this is, this is a myth of self-preservation that you can save yourself. That you can save face. Okay? That you can follow Jesus but still protect your image where you don't follow so closely to him that you end up being identified with him. And in the end, what that does is that ends up hurting your testimony. The goal of the Christian is identification with Christ, not self-preservation, okay? Not preservation of self. So that means as a disciple, you have to identify with Christ even if it hurts you. Say you have a friend that has cheated on his spouse or say you have a friend that is doing drugs or messing up in some really, really bad way and they come to you and they want you to be an accomplice to these actions. Well, you have a choice. You got to choose Jesus or your friend. And you say, Brett, listen, man, th this person's been my friend. We grew up together. This is my buddy. And this guy loves me more than my own brother loves me. I'd do anything for him. I, you know, I don't want to hurt his feelings. A true disciple, given that choice, would say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. But you don't understand. I want to be the cool guy. I want to be the cool guy at work. I want to be the cool guy with my friends. 
I don't be known as that Bible thumper. Quit trying to save face. Quit trying to save your life and lose it. Lose your life. There were African missionaries, and there were missionaries to a tribe deep in Africa, and this is back before they had planes. So they chartered a boat to go to this tribe. While these missionaries were on the boat, they began to witness to the people on the boat, to the captain and the mates, and uh, they kind of found out what these missionaries were trying to do. Then these ship, the ship crew just mercilessly mocked these missionaries for what they were doing. Mocked them, called them names, made fun of them. And then the captain of the boat came to the missionaries and like, listen, you have to understand what you're doing. There are people who have been to the tribe that you're going to and they've never came back. You're not going to accomplish your goal. Your goal, you, you are all going to die. The only thing that's going to happen on this missionary trip is all of you are going to die. When you get to this tribe, they're going to kill you. And the lead missionary looked to the captain of the boat and said, Sir, we died before we got on the boat. We've already died to self. We've already died. That's already been taken care of. If you try to save your other life that, man, you lived before you got saved. Man, you had some good times, didn't you? you if you try to save that life and put a little Jesus in there, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's the myth of self Preservation. Man, I can follow Jesus, but I can still be my old bad self. No. No, you can't. You have to cut your losses and follow Jesus. It's the only way to be his disciple. Number two, uh, the blessing of total trust. The Bible says, For whosoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whosoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. If you wholly follow me, Jesus says, and you're going to learn what real life is all about. Now, Jesus' disciples were literal fulfillments of this. They were literal fulfillments. They, they literally, they lost their lives, but then found it in Jesus Christ. They literally did this. They followed Jesus to the point where from the world's perspective, they were losers. From the world's perspective, they lost everything. But from a heavenly perspective, they gained everything. Matthew was beheaded for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mark was dragged through the streets of Alexandria until he was dead. Luke was hanged in Greece after preaching the gospel of Christ. John boiled in oil. Um, Peter said he was not worthy to die like Jesus when they wanted to kill him. So they crucified Peter upside down on that cross that looked like an X. Um, they crucified him upside down. James was the pastor of the church of Jerusalem. They took him up to the pinnacle of the, pinnacle of the temple, threw him off the temple. His body hit the ground. They came to his body. He was not dead yet, so they hit him with sticks until he died just because he wouldn't deny Jesus. From the world's perspective, these guys are losers. But ask me from a heavenly perspective. 
from a heavenly perspective, they're winners. And the same thing goes for those who want to be the disciples. The world looks at us and says, hey, how come you're not doing what we're doing? How come you're not doing what we're doing? Oh, you, you call this sin? Man, this stuff's fun. Man, this stuff that you call sin is fun. You're missing out, man. You're a loser. You're missing out on all this fun stuff. So from the world's perspective, we're losers. From a heavenly perspective, we're winners. We're winners. Then finally, I'm almost done. Let's assess the pursuits of our life. Look, life is short. Life is short. And I don't know if you've figured that out by now. Life is short. And uh, look, if, if, this, if discipleship is following Jesus, then I don't want to waste a bunch of days not doing that. Let's look at verse 25. For what is a man profit if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? So what we're going to talk about very quickly is perilous pursuits. What are we working for? Are we working to get rich? Are we working to live for God? We all know the story of the rich man whose barns filled up more than he would ever need, so he tore those barns down and built bigger barns. And the Bible calls him a fool. Now look, I'm not telling you not to be ambitious. I'm just saying don't let it consume your life. There are people who say it's okay to save for retirement. There's nothing wrong with that. That There are people that that absolutely consumes everything about their life. It consumes them. It's all they think about. Don't let anything do that in your life. We keep chasing this imaginary brass ring that the world dangles over us, and when we get the brass ring, it's not enough. You will never be upset because you followed after God too much. You will never be upset because you went to church too much. You will never be upset that you prayed too much. You'll never be disappointed that you spent too much of your life giving to God. That will never happen. Many people gain a lot, but they don't gain the right thing. Some of you this morning, you're in church with your whole family. How can you put a price tag on that? You are in this building with your entire family. That's priceless. So many other people wish they could say that. What good would it be if you gained the whole world, but you lost that? The whole world's not worth it. Kurt Cobain, front man for Nirvana, one of the most prolific rock bands, this grunge band that came out, people have said that he revolutionized rock and roll music. And... He would just had everything. He had any, all the money that he could ever want, all the fame that he ever wanted. Man, he had everything. Man, he would walk in and teenage girls would just faint and pass out just looking at him. He had it all. But the last, the last entry in his journal, the day before he ate a 12-gauge shotgun, he wrote in his journal, Help! Me, please, somebody help. I'm drowning. He had everything, yet he had nothing. He had nothing. 
What good is gaining the whole world if you lose yourself? Then we have a potential punishment. For whosoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of his holy angels. For Jesus to say, if you're ashamed of me, then I'll be ashamed of you. Man, that's scary. You don't want to identify with me, so I'm going to be ashamed of you. The sentence is unthinkable. And, and yes, this speaks to the lost. But there are so many Christians that are afraid to identify with Jesus. And I don't want him to be ashamed of me. I don't want that. Man, I, I remember when I was a kid growing up, I got the spankings. And my dad had the belt. And he could, un it would gum through the loops. But my mom was just whatever she could grab. Whether it was a fly swatter, whether it was a ping pong paddle, whether it was a broom, it didn't matter. If she, if she could grab it, that's what she would use. And at some point in my childhood, I obeyed my parents because I didn't want to get a spanking. But then I matured and got to the point where that's not why I didn't want to not obey them anymore. The reason why I didn't want to disobey them was because I didn't want to disappoint them. And disappointing them was worse than the spanking that I would get. That's kind of like a disciple. You know, you, get, you, know, you do things because you don't want God to spank you, but then a, a disciple said the idea of, I don't want to mess up and disobey God because I don't want God to be disappointed in me. And it's not about the spanking or the chastisement that you would get. It's about disappointing the Lord. Um, where am I at? Then we have a powerful reward, Luke 9, 27. But I say to you truly that there are some of these here standing who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. You know, these, these are interesting words here, and please bear with me. I promise you I'm almost finished. But these are some interesting words here. He says some here will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Does that mean the men standing there are still alive today because the kingdom of God hasn't come yet? No, it, that's not what it means. See, the very next event that's getting ready to happen is something called the Mount of Transfiguration. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is going to show these disciples a little glimpse of glory, a little glimpse of the kingdom that is to come, a little glimpse of the glorified body and, and, the, and the glory that's in front of us. He's going to break them off just a little piece of heaven. Just give them a little piece, a little taste of, etern of eternity. And these disciples will see what is in their future. And let me hear you tell you today, it is a glorious thing. Because that's what we have waiting on us. Being a disciple of Christ is the most rewarding life that a Christian can experience. In this life and in the next. And my simple question to you is, are you a disciple? You know what it takes. If you want to come after Jesus, it takes self-denial, not self-fulfillment. It takes a daily picking up that cross, 
wearing that badge, identifying as a Christian no matter the cost, following after Him and exchanging what you want for what He wants. That's what it's going to take. Everybody, every head bowed, every eye closed. In just a minute, we're going to have an invitation. During that invitation, we're going to stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed and music's going to play. During that invitation, I'd like for you to just do some business with God today. If you want to come down to the altar and use the altar to pray, you, very, you, you can do that. We're going to turn the Facebook Live off and if you want to use the altar, you absolutely can. But also, if you just want to do business with God where you stand in your pew, that's fine too. But maybe today we need to make a commitment that, Lord, I, I want to be a disciple. And I want to take that extra step. I want to go that extra mile. I want to be one of the ones who's really close to you. Man, all those people that left Jesus and turned away, man, they missed a lot. They missed a lot. Don't be one of those that misses out on what God has for you. Let's make that commitment to be a disciple today.